Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Thorough Talk. I'm really excited uh, today because I I get to talk to, I get to have a conversation. That's what this this podcast is about. It's about having a conversation. It's about going on a journey. And hopefully, as we go on this journey, we can learn something from each other. Well, I know I've learned a lot from our guest today. And this young man is a wrestler who won the 2010-2011 NCAA Individual Wrestling Championship in the 125-pound weight class. And I'm not going to add this little part yet because I want you to get any kind of preconceived notions. But this young man, as we continue to talk to him, will understand why why he's unstoppable. Please welcome to the show, Anthony Robles. Anthony, welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on, Thurl. I'm honored. Well, I'm honored to be on with you. And I read that little bit about you. And what I didn't say is that you were born with only one leg. And so when when we are taken on your journey, I want you first to go back and talk to me about your childhood and, and growing up and uh, sort of that beginning that molded you into the unstoppable. Sure. Well, you know, my mom, my mom, she had me when she was pretty young. She was 16 years old. And she had no idea that I was going to be born missing my leg. Actually, the doctors weren't even expecting that. So... Uh, from what she tells me, the day I was born, uh, they actually took me out of the operating room without letting my mom see me because uh, they didn't know if I was going to literally just die right there on, on the table. Um, so they were running all these tests, trying to figure out what was going on. Meanwhile, my mom, she's still in, in the room asking all these questions, asking what's going on, and, and no one's telling her anything. And she said, finally, the head doctor came back into the room after a bit and said, uh, your son's going to be okay, but he was missing his right leg. He was born missing his right leg. And... You know, from day one, my mom, obviously it was a shock to her, but from day one, she kind of made that decision to where uh, she wasn't going to let this challenge become my excuse. You know, whereas people might call it a disability or, you know, see me for for lacking something, she knew that it was all going to be about my mindset growing up, you know, and and how I approach things and how I viewed this challenge. And so, you know, from a young age, I always learned that there's nothing I couldn't do. Um, it was just certain things I would have to learn how to do differently, certain things I would have to adjust. And so 
Um, I really just grew up thinking anything was possible. So how was your mom equipped with, I mean, this was new to her too. So how was she equipped with the ability to be able to, to, to mold you in, in a sense to say, listen, uh, you know, I'm missing my leg, but I, I, in, in some ways I'm still whole. Honestly, I'm I'm not too sure. You know, I was blessed with a great mom, and uh, you know, my faith has always been the the center of my life. It's got me through some some tough times, and so I believe, you know, back then that uh, God was just looking out for me. You know, and, and He was just giving my mom wisdom, even at such a young age, even through such a challenging time. Um, you know, He was just kind of helping to mold her and just uh, put in her mind what she needed to do as far as raising me. And she kind of tells me every so often. She said, you know, we we grew up together. You know, I mean, she did have me young, but she said we, we grew up together. She was kind of learning uh, along the way. But, uh, you know, my mom, she's always just been the, the most loving person I've ever known. You know, she's always believed in me. She always just taught me to, to live with my head in the clouds and uh, always to expect the best out of myself. You know, whereas some people might say, oh, well, you know, you, you have a missing leg. Don't don't expect much or it's okay. You know, kind of giving me the way I see it, kind of giving me a, a way out, you know, the yes. easy way out, just to make an excuse. My mom always raised me just saying that that's not acceptable. You know, you have to expect the best of yourself. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. What matters is is your effort and giving your best. And, um, you know, she just had this wisdom that as I grew up, she just kept putting into my head. And um, I just learned the right way to go about things and, and to, to view certain things in my life. So at some point in your life, you just refused to wear the prosthetic leg, right? I mean, I, mean, I don't know about most people, but... Um, maybe most would say, well, you know, this could help anchor me a little bit, but you refused to wear it. Why? I did. And it was, you know, I was young. I remember I was, honestly, I was maybe third or fourth grade when I just decided to stop wearing it. And the reason for that was because back then uh, the technology is nowhere near what it is today. I mean, now the legs and the prosthetics are so high tech, but back then I just remember it was a really heavy piece of wood. And because I'm missing my leg um, above the knee, I'm, I'm missing my leg all the way to the hip. Um, so the socket, the part that kind of basically goes around my body to support me while I move the leg, um, it's really high up. So I tell people just to imagine, like, it's almost like you're wearing, like, a, a cast around your rib cage, you know, like a body cast. Yes. And so I just remember it was really uncomfortable. It would pinch me every so often. And, I mean, being a kid, everyone else, all the other kids are running around the neighborhood. They're riding their bikes and you know, jumping on and off things. And with that leg, I just felt like it just really slowed me down. It just kind of prevented me from being like everybody else. And so my mom, you know, she was, she, she tried to convince me just to give it some time, but every time she'd put it on me, whenever she would look away, I was just trying to rip it off. And, you know, I would try to hide it in the house somewhere until I didn't know where it was. But uh, I think after a while, you know, <laughs> she just supported my, my decision. You know, she, I think she understood that uh, I needed to find my own way. Yes. You know, I needed to, to figure out things on my own. And she gave me that option. And so I went with the, the crutches, and which is really what I use today primarily. And it just helped me to get around quicker. It made me stronger, but it helped me to feel just like the other kids in a way, which I guess kind of sounds weird, you know, because here I am, I'm, I'm exposing my, my difference, you know, by showing that I'm missing a leg. But I felt like I, I could show the kids and, and really just show myself I could do anything they could do. You know, it was just different. Well, and, I mean, and I know as much as you were trying to be like all the other kids, it's a cruel world, Anthony, right? So... Uh, you, you couldn't have gone through that and everybody treated you normal, especially being that young. 
Uh, unfortunately, you're right. You know, I, I did have some experiences growing up. I remember, I think it was maybe third grade. It was my first day of school. I just remember going to school and, you know, they have recess before class starts. So I'm out there at recess. I'm excited looking at all all these new kids and new friends I was going to make. And I remember just seeing the swing area and there was a tire swing and there was a couple kids playing on it. And I just remember going over there and, and just being really excited, just wanted to play with them. And I asked one of the kids if, if I could jump on, if I could play with them. And one of the boys looked at me and he said, I don't want to play with you. You're missing your leg. And that was really the first time for me that me missing a leg, it, it, it felt like, uh, it felt like it was bigger than what I thought it was, Right. you know, because growing up, my family never made it an issue. They, they never made it a big deal. Sure. I knew I was born missing a leg, but it wasn't a big deal. And so when this kid told me that, it just kind of opened my eyes to how other people saw me outside of my family. Well, did he, and I kind of started in, what's that? Did he feel sorry for you? Was he, I mean, what, did he say it in a teasing way? Or was he like, nah, you know what? I, I don't want to take you through, you know, what I wanted, what I'm going to do, because you can't do it. Uh, from what I remember, it was more kind of like a teasing way. Like, you know, I, I, he's like, oh, I don't want to play with you. You're missing your leg. So yeah. It was kind of like more like teasing to me. And yeah. I was shocked over it, you know, but, uh, you know, it's just something that I kind of, I got used to, you know, just growing up and I started to notice things like that, you know, a little bit more, not so much people saying things like that, you know, just being harsh, but, you know, I started to notice looks more, you know, people just kind of staring at me when I'd go to the grocery store and uh, things like that. So it, it did affect me, but because I had such a strong support system back home with my mom and my siblings, uh, it was always nice just coming back home because I felt like that was where my strength was at. You know, that was where I, I could find that shelter and, and just get that support. And yeah. um, I was ready to go out and face the world the next day. Well, speaking of strength, um, I read that in the sixth grade you set this record for the most push-ups by any member of your school. Um, is that when you started to discover how driven you could be? Uh, I know push-ups are push-ups, but you've got a kid with one leg who's just kicking everybody's butt in the, in the strength area. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was right around then. You know, I, uh, I just remember my, my stepdad, he was really big into sports growing up. You know, we're huge Raiders fans. So every Sunday we would go to church and then we would watch the Raider games and barbecue. That was our tradition. <laughs> and, you know, he was big into to weightlifting. He had a, a weight set in the garage and, and so I just remember just kind of watching my dad just being around sports and, or, you know, watching sports. And uh, I guess I just kind of got that competitive nature, especially with a bunch of boys in the house. So, you know, when I did that push-up competition, I just really enjoyed it. And so I started just kind of finding new things to challenge myself. I was like, oh, this, this looks like fun. You know, I'm, I'm going to climb this pole. I'm going to see how many pull-ups I can do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it was just fun to just really see what my limits were, you know, just yes. to kind of test and see what I was made of because – you know, here everybody else is kind of having these low expectations of me. But, you know, for me, like I said, my mom, she raised me with my head in the clouds. So uh, I just wanted to see how far I could go. So let's talk about your, your journey into wrestling. I mean, what got you into that? Did, did you have like a, a fight with a kid at school and you won and decided, hey, I can take this somewhere? <laughs> or I mean, how, how did the wrestling thing come about, Anthony? Well, it was actually, it was pretty... Pretty neat how it all came about. It was, it was very, uh, man, it was totally the uh, plan from above because I grew up in California up until I was 14, and I had really no idea what wrestling was. I had no exposure to it. 
But my cousin who lived in Arizona, we were talking on the phone, and he was a wrestler. So, you know, we would catch up on the phone, and he'd say, you should try, try for the wrestling team, see if there's any wrestling clubs around you. And my mindset was, I, I want to try football. You know, that, that's what I want to play. But we moved to Arizona. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Your mindset was what? I, I know I heard I you right. I want to play football. Okay. <laughs> oh, All right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, keep going. I want to play football. <laughs> okay. And, yes, so I, I did play football, actually, from sixth grade to ninth grade. I played How? How did football. that work? I just hopped around the field. Uh, so I mean, wide I, receiver, I quarterback, tackle. What? I was de- <laughs> uh, defensive end my freshman year, and sixth and seventh grade I played safety. So I can I can hop around pretty Man. quick. And uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, once I got to ninth grade, I was only about ninety pounds, and all the other kids, especially on the defensive line, were a lot bigger than me. So that's when. Uh, I realized that, you know, maybe football might not be uh, the, the best option for me. But, uh, you know, that, that freshman year, uh, I just remember, like I said, only being 90 pounds, and so football wasn't really working out too well. But my cousin cousin kept pushing wrestling. I just tried out. and I remember we're hanging out at, at my grandparents' house one day, and so he starts uh, talking to me and saying, hey, I, I want to bring you to practice. I want to bring you to wrestling practice, and, and you can lift weights. He's like, you don't even have to wrestle. You don't have to try it. Just lift. And, you know, so I'm there. I'm lifting, watching these guys do all their drills and, and their wrestling moves. And I was like, oh, this is this is pretty cool. This looks pretty neat, but still no real interest in it. And I just remember his coach comes by and starts talking to me. He says, hey, uh, our lightweight, our 103-pounder needs someone to wrestle with. Would you mind rolling with him today? And I actually turned him down. I said, no, no, thank really? you. I'm okay. Yeah, I, I said no, but my cousin, you know, he walked back into the, the weight room after his coach left. He's like, hey, my coach said he wanted you to try it out. He said no. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to do it. And, again, my cousin just pressured me. He's like, hey, just try it once. He said, if you, if you don't like it, I'll never bring it up again. And so me, I'm thinking, you know, I just want to get my cousin off my back. Just, you know, <laughs> I want him to leave me alone, so I'll go for it and, Sure enough, I stepped out there on the mat, didn't know what I was doing. I was just thinking football mentality, just tackle the guy to the ground. And I just remember just we wrestled for about two minutes, which is one period in a wrestling match. And after that two-minute period, I just remember my whole body was exhausted. I was bleeding. My, my neck was all scratched up. I got my butt kicked. But, I but just you loved it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I had the passion from there on out. It was just like wrestling was what I was meant to do. You know, this is what was my calling in life. Man. Um, so, Anthony, when I was in the seventh grade and eighth grade, I was, uh, I was six, seven in the seventh grade and I was, uh, I was six, four in the seventh grade and I was six, seven in the eighth grade. I got cut from the basketball team. Wow. So I, I say that because my, question to you is because there's there's some other storylines in this too right i mean it's like okay this guy cut the tallest guy on the team two years in a row okay what i didn't disclose was i was terrible right i mean i couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time but you've got a guy who wants to wrestle no let's go to football You've got a guy that wants to play football, and you've got a coach that has to choose, pick a team and, and choose players on it. Um, what did that say to you that 
you were part you were able to be included upon that based on someone's lens of you even with one leg uh, it felt really and it was just a satisfying feeling for me because I, I felt like I was getting recognized for for my heart you know for all I was capable of and uh, I was just trying to show people that's all, that's what was most important you know it didn't matter what I couldn't do it didn't matter it doesn't matter what I was lacking what mattered was my, my effort and what I could do, you know, what I was capable of. And so being on that football team, uh, it was just, uh, I felt a sense of acceptance. Okay. You know, I, I felt like, like my teammates, those guys, my friends, they accepted me for, for who I was, you know, not for, for what I was missing. And uh, it, it just felt really good. So now let's go to wrestling where you, I mean, I, I didn't make the wrestling team. I mean, they had to untie me from like this pretzel Oh, the the guy who who pinned me just kind of tied me in the knots because I was a, a, a rail of a kid anyway. But I know you need leverage. I know that you know if a guy has all of his extremities, from my knowledge, you have more of an advantage from the little knowledge I had of wrestling. So, not just the coach who wanted you to to come and participate, but what about the guys you wrestled against? I mean, there had to be. I mean, I, I I can see this picture of a guy walking out to wrestle you. He looking back, his him looking back at his coach, just saying, "Really?" I mean, I, I got. I mean, what what is this? So, <laughs> I, I'm wondering if you went through some of those moments. Uh, if you noticed that from maybe some of your opponents, whether they were on your team or on other teams. I, I did, you know, and I, I just remember, you know, the, the first time walking into my wrestling room. Uh, and, and kind of rolling with the guys, you know, some of them were from football. So, you know, I, I had, I kind of had their support, but the other ones, they had never seen me before. They didn't know I was capable of. And so they were nervous wrestling with me at first, you know, they, they weren't sure if I was basically, if I was made of glass, you know, if they were going to hurt me or not. Right. Um, but you know, <laughs> the nice thing about wrestling is once that whistle blows, it's you're all on your own, you know, it's just, it's a scrap from start to finish. And so, uh, they found out really quick that, you know, after that whistle blew, <laughs> they, they better be ready because I was going to give it my all. And so I think I quickly earned the respect of, of my teammates, you know, because I, I always made it a point that I never tried to get out of any, any of the workouts. I never made any excuses of missing the leg or anything like that. So if they were running miles, I was running miles on my crutches. If they were doing a certain workout, I was doing it too. Everything they did, I did. And so I, I won them over pretty fast. And, uh, the awesome thing about my coach, uh, his name was Bobby Williams, and, and Dave Domenico was the assistant coach. But the awesome thing about my coaches was that from day one, they treated me like I was already a state champ. Hmm. You know, I mean, they they they, they just they put in time with me. They, they they made an effort to help to figure out a style that would work for me because uh, I was unique. You know, I, I couldn't learn the moves the same way that everybody else did. I had to yes. learn a different way. And, and really, we had to create a new, whole new style of wrestling from scratch because uh, you know, back then there wasn't any YouTube or anything like that, so it's not like I could Google or YouTube uh, one-legged wrestling moves. You know, we, we, we had to figure it out. And, um, what my coach used to tell me, I'll never forget, he said, we're going to focus on your strengths and camouflage your weaknesses. Wow. wow. And, you know, I, I just love that because, you know, really, in my mind, that was exactly how my mom raised me, you know, what she had been teaching me all along. You know, it's not about what you can't do. It's about what you can do. It's about what you have. You focus on that and you move forward. And 
So with my coaches, we, we, we did build up this style, and it was fun to see opposing teams, you know, because that, that, I'd say the first probably two years, uh, the, the opposing teams that had never seen me before, they were afraid as well. Like, you know, I don't know if I should send my wrestler out there. They talked to my coach beforehand. Are, are you sure you can handle this? And so, again, you know, they were scared to, to wrestle with me. But after those first two years when I started getting better and developing a name for myself for being good, it seemed like the target was growing on my back. Yeah. Now everybody was going at me hard. And <laughs> yeah. They wanted to take me out. Oh, man. Hey, you just gave me uh, kind of those hair-raising moments with some of the things you said. And, and granted, I shaved my head the other day. But, <laughs> you, you know, it's amazing, amazing just to to read your story and, and now to talk to you about it. We're going to take a quick break right here and, and continue that conversation with Anthony Robles. We'll be right back. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, to Thorough Talk, and we have Anthony Robles, NCAA champion, wrestler in 2010, Arizona State University. And we have kind of a connection as well, away from all this, too, Anthony, because, of course, you know, uh, my daughter played volleyball at Arizona State, and you were kind enough. I remember this moment. We met you in the parking lot. And uh, you were kind enough to come and meet her and my family. And, uh, and, and our other connection is, um, and I don't have the year. You have to remind me. Maybe it was 2000. And you won the Jim Valvano Award on the ESPYs. What year was that? 2011. 2011. 2011. Yes, and, of course, you know Jim Valvano was my college coach at North Carolina State. And led us to the national championship. So we are connected, brother. We are connected. Um, I want to talk, continue the conversation that we ended on about your opponents, because you and I have had a conversation about how, when you started, I mean, everybody wanted to like, you know, they were afraid they were going to hurt you. I think you put it to, they, I was like glass to them. They thought they were going to break me. Um, and they thought that it was a disadvantage to you. But now you're starting to win. You're starting to beat people. And then the conversation turns a little bit. Well, I think he's got an advantage over us. Mm -hmm. 
Talk to me about that and how you lived through that. Yeah, actually, I remember the first time I actually heard that about the advantage was after my junior year of high school. So uh, I, my freshman year wrestling, I finished last place in the city tournament in Mesa, Arizona. My sophomore year, I finished sixth place in the state, so I was getting better. And so, you know, I had everybody's support and everyone was cheering for me. But I remember my junior year was really my breakout year. I won my first state championship. And in Arizona, we have this online message board, or used to. And so I just remember going on on this this wrestling website and going to this message board forum. And uh, just they're talking about the high school wrestling. I remember seeing my name, and and I just remember being so excited, right? I just won my state championship. All these people are talking about me. And I remember just clicking on the, the, the title, and it said, Anthony Robles, does he have a disadvantage, or is it an advantage? Mm. And I remember, like, like advantage, like, what are they talking about? And you know, so I opened it up, and you know, they're saying how it's unfair that I have missing a leg because all these things that you know I should be weighing more. And it's like, man, like, where was this advantage when I when I started? <laughs> That's right. You know, when you were losing, like, like, yeah, when I was losing, and, and it's like, where was this advantage? And uh, like. Man, I guess I woke up one day and all of a sudden it became an advantage for me. And it really, it got to me. I, I just remember just reading that and it just made me so angry because I felt like they were taken away from all the hard work that I had put in. Right. I, I, mean, I, I was training six days a week minimum. On Sundays, I was running two to three miles. And this was all throughout my high school. I mean, summertime, I was working out every single day. And so I just felt like they were just, they were taking that away from me. They were taking the price that I paid to reach that state title away from me. And it made me mad, but I remember just talking to my coach about it one day in wrestling, in the wrestling room. And he told me, he's like, look, he's like, you know, you're getting somewhere when the haters start coming out on you. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I thought about it. And the more I thought about it, I was like, well, I've never, I've never wanted to be the one that people felt sorry for. You know, I didn't want people's pity. I didn't want them to, to, you know, just so bad that I was missing the leg that I, that I wouldn't experience certain things in my life or that, you know, I had a disadvantage or anything like that. And so I felt like here I was, I was getting so good at the sport that I love that now people were trying to tear me down. And so I felt like in a way, I guess I was accomplishing that goal, yeah. you know, of, of not having people feel sorry for me. And so um, I just started to focus on just getting better and better, you know, and I felt like, hey, you know, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, there's always going to be someone that, unfortunately tries to, to tear you down who might have something negative to say but i felt like as long as i'm reaching my goals and, and kind of chasing my own greatness then uh who, who cares what what the negative people say absolutely and anthony you got to forgive me here because um, i mean you're, you're not one who wants to hear his own accomplishments but i've got some things i want to read about you that people should know obviously you're a three-time Wrestling All American and 2011 NCAA Division One National Champion, uh, two-time ESPY Award recipient, including the Jimmy B Award for Perseverance. You're an internationally renowned motivational speaker for Fortune 500 companies. 2012 inductee into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. Um, and 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 I feel good about this one because I think I had a little bit to do with it. ESPN college wrestling expert and analyst since 2012. You're, you're <laughs> well, I just know that uh, you and I have a, a a very good friend, a guy who represents you, Gary Lewis, um, the, one of the nicest men you'd ever, ever want to meet in this whole wide world, the kindest heart. 
uh, and you're in good hands. But you got to come on Salt Lake City and work with me a little bit. Uh, I had been in the broadcasting business with the Jazz for a while. Uh, also, uh, my good friend Dan Clark, who's a motivational speaker, we kind of took you through some things to help you prepare to be a be a wrestling analyst. And man, you're just taking off. You're doing a great job. Well, thank you, my friend. Your, your lessons and your your input were invaluable to me. I could not have gotten to this place in my commentating career without you. Thank well, you so much. That's nice of you to say. But I, you would have found a way to do it. One, because you're unstoppable, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pac-12 Network Wrestling Analyst since 2015, um, 2013 through 16, member of the President's Council on Fitness, Sports, and Nutrition. Um, tell me a little bit about how that went. That had to be exciting for you. It was extremely exciting and an amazing honor just to be part of the President's Council for Fitness and Nutrition. And, uh, you know, the, the goal there was just to focus on, on, on fighting youth obesity, and especially in, in today's age with technology and everyone has the iPads and computers and video games. And uh, we felt like youth obesity, it was, it was a, a huge issue that needed to be, uh, needed to be put, shine, shine the light on. Right. And so, and just to be a part of a great cause and to be able to, uh, support the president Obama and the first lady. Uh, it was just, and I think I went to the white house about six or seven times for meetings, uh, for the fitness council. I, I got to travel, uh, across the country, different states, different school districts to speak to the kids. And um, we followed and supported this initiative called Let's Move Active Schools. Yes. So I just remember going to, to places like Zapata, Texas, where I went to eight different schools in a day, I think. And the kids were just so excited. We're jumping rope together and, and you know, we're running miles. And I remember, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget it because I remember in one of these events, uh, you know, I was just supposed, supposed to give a speech. And it was right before uh, the school was going to run two miles and, and so you know i just remember giving this speech and i was supposed to jump on a plane uh, a couple hours later so i wasn't planning on participating in, in the run but i remember finishing up my speech and this little girl i think she was in like sixth or seventh grade she comes up to me she's like are, are you running with us i was like man I, how, how do i say no <laughs> <laughs> I remember, you know i, I ran that those two miles i got on that plane and i felt bad for the person sitting next to me i was pretty sweaty but I mean, just to support a great cause, it was just an amazing honor to be a part of that council. Uh, that's awesome. And in 2012, you became an accomplished author with a great book called Unstoppable, From Underdog to Undefeated, How I Became a Champion. Um, that had to be a great accomplishment for you as well, to, to kind of tell your story and also be able to, to help and influence others. It was an amazing honor, just a huge blessing to have that opportunity. And I just remember working on, on my book. And when I travel and I do speeches, I, I speak for maximum amount of time, of, I say about an hour. Usually it's about 45 minutes. So right. I share as much as I can in that time, but there's still a lot of things that I, I can't share. And uh, there's also things that I'm kind of uncomfortable just saying out loud. And so working on that book, it really just, it allowed me to have that platform where I could share everything. You know, the things that I was uncomfortable about, the things that hurt me in my life, the things that, that, that were real, just real obstacles that broke me. Uh, but I felt like just putting it all out there for people to see, for people to read, uh, I was hoping that it would help motivate them through their trials, you know, through their times where they felt like they were breaking in their lives and, and, and just help them to get over those speed bumps. And so um, it was a, it was a really interesting process working on that book. It was hard at times. Yes. But I was just so happy with, with the finished product. You know, I was just so happy with, with just being able to sit back and just see my life story out there 
and have people just be able to uh, to share in that, you know, and also just take away and, and hopefully just inspire and, and motivate them in their own lives. So it was, it was an amazing honor. Well, you did a great job, um, and it's you know just a just a perfect name for you uh, and the guy that I know. And, and listen, frankly, Anthony, not many people get to have their life story produced as a movie, right? And production starts, right, second quarter this year on a film based on your life. And I think I think I know this guy who's producing it, uh, <laughs> like The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Tell me yes, about that. Sir. <laughs> uh, it, it's, I, I've just continued to be blessed in my life. I, I, it's really still a dream just saying saying that and, and hearing you say that, that, that Dwayne Johnson is going to be producing a movie about me. But, uh, yes, we are currently in, in the pre-production stage right now. Uh, we're getting ready to start filming, hopefully here pretty soon. But uh, and, man. And, and tell me he's going to play you. Uh, well, I'm not allowed to say just <laughs> I know you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that there are uh, one-on-one studios and Seven Bucks Productions, uh, who, who's producing this film. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were getting ready to do some some announcements on who's been involved and 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 all that. But uh, with everything that's been going on, they, they decided to kind of hold off. So. Uh, I, what I can say is that it's a great actor. Uh, if I say his name, if I mention something that he, he's recently been a part of, yeah. a lot of people will be aware of it. And what I'm really excited about as well is that I'll be helping out with some of the wrestling scenes in the movie. So That's good. I'll basically be my own stunt double out there. So I, I, I can't wait. But, That's you know, awesome. really, yeah, it, it's a blessing. But really, it's for me, it's all about just continuing that message, you know, of just being unstoppable and, so to have this this huge platform with Dwayne Johnson behind it, and uh, I mean, I, I just really hope that it, it just helps to, to touch some people's lives because, you know, I, I feel like we all have to wrestle our own things in life. Yes. You know, we all wrestle our own opponents, and some of them are seen, some of them are not seen. But uh, regardless, it's going to be there, whether we like it or not. And so I'm just hoping that, you know, with me sharing those things that I had to wrestle with in my life, that it'll just keep inspiring people. It'll show people that no matter what, they can be unstoppable. So just can't wait for this opportunity to, to make a movie. Well, I, I, I know it's going to be great. And, and if it is Dwayne Johnson, he needs to get in the weight room because I know you're... You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Hey, so so I want to I get back uh, to kind of your, your journey. And I think this is maybe a part of it, but there's, there's so much going on in the world today, right? Especially this time with uh, COVID-19 being an international, being a pandemic and affecting so many people's lives. And we're still kind of going through that. But at the same time, um, you know, we're dealing with some racial issues across our nation and and internationally as well. Um, So I want to talk about kind of what has been brought on by the death of of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And I think Mm -hmm. speaking to you as a young, a black, uh, high-profile, if you will, person that has a platform like the one you're on with me, um, what have you kind of surmised with all of this? How have you been able to to have discussions with whether it's your family or other people on 
on what we need to do to be better. Yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a challenging time right now. Yes. And, and, you know, for me personally, I'm half African-American. I'm also half Hispanic on my mom's side. Uh, they're from Hermosillo, Mexico. And I also have uh, quite a bit of family and friends who are in law enforcement. And so uh, it, it's been tough just having those discussions. But, you know, what I really feel like and what I, what I share with people is that, you know, we, we have to come together. Yeah. Uh, this, this is this is a man, it's an ugly time that we're in, but it's an ugly thing to happen. But we have an opportunity now to move forward and, and be better, to come together in, in a way that has never been seen before. And to have and those so conversations, right? Exactly. To have those conversations. And, and it can't be. It can't be just, you know, one side against another. You know, and what I I tell people is, you know, one of my all-time favorite and and all-time favorite heroes is Martin Luther King. You know, and he preached that that love, that peace, that just coming together, his dream. And we need need to continue with that dream. You know, it's up to us to move forward, to, to, to learn from this horrible experience and be better from this experience. Well said. And... But I think it's going to take all sides, and I think it's going to take all sides to, you know, just really uh, embrace the other, yeah. you know, because uh, it, it, it's hard when, you know, you go online and, and it's just like one side against the other, it's Democrat, Republican, all these things, you know, it's all these back and forth. It's like, no, we have to, we have to embrace one another. You know, we have to find the common ground. We have to find that love and weed out this, this ugliness, you know, this, this negativity and, and, and I mean, divisive. But really. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The, the divisiveness of it. But honestly, though, I mean, when I look at it, the, what I think is that although we are in a hard time, we are blessed to still live in a great country, you know, to where we can have these conversations, to where we do have the power as people to impact change. Because, I mean, there there's some places in this world to where, I mean, people would, man, people would die to have the opportunities that we have here. Yeah. You know, and I think we have to remember that. But we also have to do the best with these opportunities that we have, knowing that. Well said, Anthony. And and I believe that your your cause and your plight and your journey are going to be able to reach a lot of people to do that as well. But I, I also want to get into, um, I mean, you're, you're nonstop. When you talk about unstoppable, it's not just about uh, having a great wrestling career. It's about what you're doing after that and what you're doing with your platform. You're still breaking records, my friend. Talk to me about this uh, Guinness World Record that you set recently. Yes, sir. I I went after – I started getting bored. i got to tell you how it started first. (laughs) I started getting bored. (laughs) I I didn't have a physical challenge after wrestling. You know, I was lifting weights, but there was nothing to really push me, so – I just decided to go after some Guinness World pull-up records, and so I was honored to have an opportunity. Uh, last year, I broke the record for most pull-ups in a minute. I did 62, and recently, I broke the Guinness World 62. record for most pull-ups in a minute while wearing an 80-pound pack. Oh and my I believe goodness. I did 25. Yeah, it was it was heavy. My body was pretty beat after that, but you know, I, I felt like for me. I'm always sharing with people how we have to give our best in everything we do. Yes. Right? You know, we have to keep chasing goals. We have to keep climbing mountains to to you know, never be satisfied with just 
where we're at. You can be happy, but you know, you're always trying to improve in everything, whether it's relationships, whether it's in, in your faith, you know, physically, we can always be better. We should always look to improve. And so I felt like I needed to practice what I preached. You know, I felt like I needed to chase another big goal. And so that's how those pull up records came about. I wanted to use that as a platform again to share it with people that, Hey, you know, just keep chasing those goals. Just keep trying to get better. Just keep seizing those opportunities. So how do you set up all that? I mean, uh, obviously there's phone calls you have to make. There's people, there's witnesses from the Guinness Book of Records that have to be there. And what kind of process is that? you got to train for it, right? And, and, and I mean, I, I'm sure you probably go into it knowing that, I don't know, this is easy, I'm going to pull this off. But, I mean, that's that's a whole uh, planning thing that, that, that has to come about to do that kind of thing, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And honestly, I, I wish I had that, that mindset where <laughs> I, was I felt like that was going to be. I wish. That would have been nice. I was freaking out both times. But I, I know for my first attempt, uh, for the most pull-ups, just in a straight minute, uh, for that, I was just doing a ton of pull-ups every single day. I think I was averaging at least about 250 a day minimum. Wow. And so what I did, uh, I, I live in a two-story house, so I actually had a pull-up bar up at, at the top of the staircase in one of the entryways and the doorways and so i made it a rule for myself to where every time i went upstairs i had to do 40 pull-ups and so <laughs> so i mean it got to the point where i was i was trying to do my best to avoid going upstairs to avoid those pull-ups but uh you know i just set a strict regimen set numbers and uh with my agent gary lewis he had some great connections and so my first attempt was uh, with the new york jets actually which is an amazing honor and opportunity uh i did it at uh at the new york Jets stadium and it was during the second quarter of their football game against the buffalo bills wow. and i i just remember it was it was amazing it was in november and I remember i think there was like eighty thousand fans there and so i'm up on this hangar area where my, my pull-up bar set up so i'm basically overlooking the field all the fans can see me on the jumbotron and and there came a point, I think I was about, I was about uh, 45 pull-ups. You know, so I was going in and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at 45 pull-ups, I just remember taking a second to break. And literally it's like one second. You jump off the bar, shake your arms to let some blood flow, and then you jump back up. But I remember jumping down for my, my second break, and uh, I felt like I was about to hit a wall, just mentally and physically. And... It was just like right at that moment, I just remember the crowd just got really loud. They just really got into it. And hmm. Man, they, they carried me through the rest of the way. I, I, I just remember thinking, I'm, I'm taking this home. You know, I, I lost track of how many I did. I ended up beating the record by one. But it, it was just it was such an, an amazing opportunity and experience there. And, uh, and, and they probably second. have to tell you what, a, I mean, because in, in my book, a pull-up is I put my arms up, and if my forehead comes if my hair touches the bar, that's a pull-up for me. But I'm sure, <laughs> specifically, you've got to do it the right way or it doesn't count. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're very strict. And for the pull-up, it has to be all the way up so your chin clears the bar, and then your arms have to be straight, locked out um, for a full rep. So chin above bar and then all the way down. And you can't rock your hips. So if your hips break the plane, um, it doesn't count. And so we actually had... We had three cameras set up from different angles. So I had one from the front, one from the back, and then one from the side. And we actually we threw in an additional fourth camera just to be safe. Yeah. So, you know, I'm surrounded by cameras recording. We had uh, two timers taken to time, and we had two counters counting my reps. 
they had to sign off on official waivers because, uh, you know, there was two ways to go about it. You could either do it on your own, which is cameras and judges on your own, or you could have an official judge on the spot, which costed money. So the, you know, the first one we did on our own. Uh, so it was a, it was a big process. You know, there was a lot of people involved to, to put it together and, uh, it was a, just to have it all come together and be able to celebrate that record with, with my team was really special. It was cool. Well, just so you know, my pull-ups, my feet are on the floor. I'm seven feet tall, so <laughs> I just go on my tiptoes. That's a pull-up for me. So, uh, <laughs> I envy you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anthony. So, okay, what's next, my man? I know other than the movie, you've got some other records you want to break, some things you want to accomplish. What's next in the life of Anthony Robles? Uh, well, I'm blessed. There's plenty coming up next. Now, recently, like I said, I did that 80-pound record, and I was at a NASCAR race. Uh, I'm training for another record possibly right now. For It's 100 pounds. Uh, most pull-ups in a minute with 100 pounds uh, on my back. Uh, but, you know, really, right now, with everything going on, uh, you know, I, I just feel like I really want to just focus on, like I said, using that platform, you yes. know, just to – help share with people to inspire and especially right now just to spread that spread the love you know spread spread that message of unity and just coming together so i'm actually in the process right now of putting together my own podcast called the unstoppable podcast i like it i and, love it yeah I, I can't wait so just uh, trying to use the opportunities in front of me to the best of my ability and just sharing with others to, to keep being unstoppable in this world i love it anthony I, I am so honored and blessed to have you on this show and um I know that whatever you decide to do in your life, you will continue to have that that moniker. You will be unstoppable, and you will teach others to be able to do that themselves. How to? And, and I've seen you in action. I've seen you step into a room and talk to people about not limiting themselves um, and continuing the dream, regardless of what the situation is. So, thank you so much for being with me today, and and being with all of us, all the listeners out there will certainly uh, gain a lot of knowledge and inspiration from the things that you're doing. Appreciate you being on the show and take care of yourself, man. Take care of your family and uh, I'll see you down the road, my friend. Thank you so much for friend. It was an honor to be able to share today. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure, Anthony. Thank everyone so much for listening this week. Uh, We'll be back next week with another guest, but in the meantime, take care of yourselves and uh, God bless. This is Thorough Talk, and I'm out.